Monday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Jake, it feels good to say those words after a three-week hiatus. Yeah. Are you, are you alive? I haven't spoken to you in, the, in these three weeks. We Just recorded <laughs> an episode on Sunday and played beer league together. And we've also, defi- we've definitely seen and spoken to each other quite a bit. Actually, we, in we, the three we, weeks. we definitely have. Yeah, it, it's not as no, Felix. We we need to like play kayfabe right now and just let everyone know. No, we actually hate each other. We yeah. don't talk to each other ever. The only yeah. times we ever talk are on this podcast. And it was absolutely amazing to have three weeks off or four weeks off, however long it was, not having to talk to Felix. Yeah, exactly. It was it was just so nice. Um, but you know, I'm glad this three week break happened because it gave us time to sufficiently accumulate some stuff to talk about. Um, the Ducks had their development camp last well two fridays ago now and so we will go plenty in depth on that jake and i and cj actually had the had the chance to go cover it we yeah. we, we were present we were in attendance spoke to players people within the team so it was it was a very enlightening experience and i'm i'm really excited to get into that with everyone here because we have a lot of notes Yes. A lot of stuff to get into. We have a lot of stuff to get into. A lot that we we gathered from within the organization. A lot that we gathered from. I mean, we spoke to to Zegris, Drysdale, McTavish, and Dallas, uh, Aikens. Dallas Aikens, and so yeah. really gathered a lot from those conversations. It was really enlightening, and it was awesome to just kind of get the feel of being in the rink again. It had been. I mean, how long had it been for you before you saw or since you saw high level hockey in person? Oh, that is a good question. Um... I actually probably the last NHL hockey that I had seen in person was I think it was a Ducks Oilers game in probably February of the of 2020. I think that was the last time that I had been that I had seen NHL hockey in person. Yeah, I, I, it, I, that, that didn't even occur to me when we were there, but that is a good question. I yeah. honestly can't even think about the last time I would have seen it in person. But yeah, it it, it felt great. It. <laughs> I mean, you kept mentioning it to me the entire freaking day of, yeah, one, I can't shoot the puck like that. That was basically <laughs> your like go-to line the entire day of like, cause you, I mean, Felix and I have been playing beer league for now three or four months. And it's like, it's, it's crazy to go from just, that's our hockey experience for three to four months to yeah. watching this. Yeah. So, so the way that it broke, that it shook out is that, you know, we showed up and we were at ice level for a good, a good portion of the, I guess the tail end of the on ice session. And at the at the very end, we were just standing there actually with with Eric Stevens, just kind of shooting the breeze, but also watching these guys do their drills and watching just Jacob Perot specifically right in front of us doing one timers over and over again was it was a sight to see because that guy can absolutely just hammer a puck. And I was just shocked that his stick wasn't breaking, that, that it, he was taking this many one-timers that were all going either bar down or, you know, upstairs each time. Yeah. It, it was impressive. And also what impressed me, I mean, this is now a tangent, but yeah, with per, with Perot's shot is that there's not a whole lot of wind-up to it. It's uh-uh. And it, there's not a lot of body either. It's just all arms and, and kind of his torso that he's just leaning into. So... Yeah, and that's just one thing that that we saw. Obviously, there was a ton. There, there's a ton that we'll get into. But yeah, being at ice level, seeing these guys do what they do, and also keeping in mind that these are NHL hopefuls. They're they're not even actual NHL players yet. So seeing how good they are, it was just a nice reminder that hey, 
the this this sport that we talk about and cover these guys are really the best of the best yeah definitely and i mean it was great to see some of the prospects out there i mean they had all three of the or all of the top three for uh draft picks from this past draft they had uh mctavish pastyov and zellweger so it was nice to get a glimpse of guys that we haven't seen in person i mean also haven't seen Jamie Drysdale ever in person or, well, I haven't or, seen or, Trevor Zegras. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we saw Trevor Zegras. He played, he, I think, didn't you go to the prospect camp? Of, That's right. That's like, right. Saw yeah. him in person at things like that. So, but never at this kind of high level. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't consider number 52 Zegras part of current Zegras's story not, arc. Not, not part of the lore, <laughs> not part of the continuity yeah, there. Exactly. He's, he's from the expanded universe of, of Trevor Zegras. Um, but yeah, so go. I mean, where do you where do you want to start with this? Because a, a big part of our day really um, was talking to people within the organization about the plan for this team moving forward. Because that's something that we've been critical of with the Ducks is the fact that not only is there not at least it hasn't been readily obvious what the plan is, but also that the quote unquote mm-hmm. plan hasn't been necessarily communicated. So to be able to talk to people that you know varying degrees within the organization high ranking it was it was refreshing because now i feel like at least you and i have a much deeper understanding of kind of what's at play here yeah definitely i think a a big part of kind of today's episode is almost relaying that message to essentially get that message out and both talk about the pros and cons of all of it and and where you and i are at with that and so i mean i think to start with that is they are fully aware they're in a rebuild and maybe that is like too obvious for everyone because of them finishing what 30th and 27th the last two years <laughs> or having the, but, what was it the worst their worst season by points percentage last yeah, year yeah but like after kind of the the quotes from Kevin Shattenkirk last year going into the season of now it's time to compete it was refreshing to hear that there's an understanding of where this franchise is at and what mm-hmm. that basically in order to move forward they need to start accumulating more first round picks or players that were in the first round at some point doesn't necessarily have to be the picks, but players that were first round picks and acquiring that talent. So that basically um, kind of similar to what the Colorado avalanche have done. They've acquired the the player or they've acquired the players through draft younger players through some trades. And then once you kind of have that core group of players, then you can add to that with free agent signings and trades. And uh, the franchise is aware that they need to do that. And, and that this is something that basically they were wrong about the last couple of years, right? That was one thing that was really stuck out to me is there was some fault that was admitted about whether about the thought process of insulating the young guys with veteran talent and trying to essentially utilize the second core to be able to help the young guys and almost make it a retool on the fly. Right. That's what I think a lot of people have said. Yeah. And I think there was an admittance that that didn't work that it, it just didn't and that there's really no way you can go about it when you finish 27th and 30th. And so there has needed to be an organizational shift about how they're approaching this team. Right. Right. And I think that that, that was pretty fascinating to hear is just the fact that there is a, a recognition that this, what they're going through right now is, is needed because we've, we've often thought that the ducks are, are loath to engage in a rebuild, that this is, something that's kind of last resort that goes against the philosophies. But this is something that they've realized is needed. And also the fact, I think, recognizing that maybe it happened a little too late, that maybe it was a year too late. I thought that that was, you know, that was something interesting to hear because I guess I guess it is harder when you're a team that's succeeding in the regular season to just all of a sudden pull the plug on everything. I still, you know, I still think that sometimes you got to make those tough calls. Yeah. But, but that context was definitely 
helpful. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, uh, another big thing. Uh, let me know, kind of, if you want to jump in with anything that that kind of you have from from our conversations. But um, a, a big thing is going to be the coaching staff this year, and that was something that was kind of keyed in right. on was that um, they've really thought through what they're doing with this coaching staff, and that um, basically they wanted to allow Dallas Aikens to do what he does best which is essentially co- being a, a man managing or managing the players, being there to be their friend, being there to build them up. I mean, you well, and word, I, you and I saw first use the word that was used was communicate. So correct. that that's his perceived strength. And I mean, you and I, when we had the, the media scrum with him, you could tell why he, he just, yeah. he has a way of talking. He has like, a way. he has a pretty commanding presence. Yes. Um, and, um, it was key that kind of their thought process this year is making that the the main thing that Dallas Aikens has to focus on. And that by bringing in Newell Brown and Jeff Ward and Mike Stuthers, they kind of take away all of the other responsibilities. Newell Brown is responsible for uh, running the power play for the Ducks in 07, running the power play in Vancouver. Uh, Jeff Ward has done that also during his different stints and has been a head coach. And then you have Mike Stuthers to run the defense. And it sounds as if they're really happy that he brings an edge to the coaching staff in a way. And, and so yeah. I think a, a key thing here is it almost feels like this is sink or swim time for Dallas Akins. And that's my kind of own personal view of it is they've gone out of their way to put them in a position to succeed. And we've almost with players talked about putting players in a position to succeed or fail. Right. And, and that you really want to put your players or players in a position to succeed. And it seems like they're trying to do that with the coaching staff right now. And I think that's a very good thing to hear. But I think on that same boat, if the coaching staff is not able to get the best out of the team, and that's not saying competing for a playoff spot, that that's not where I'm going with this, but just playing better hockey, then I think that Dallas Higgins could be in a bit of rough shape. And that's my own personal view, no actual information on that. Right. So I think that with Dallas Higgins, it's it's to your point about putting guys in a position to succeed. And it's almost like development in a way, because... <clears throat> I don't see it necessarily as an indictment on on Dallas Akins that they brought in these new assistants. No. Part of it is just a recognition of, hey, this is what he does well. We're two years into this experiment. He has, I mean, they said he has a strength. He's a great communicator. And there's other stuff that they just don't want him to have to worry about. And, you know, of course, if you're a fan of the team, that's not necessarily what you want to hear. You want to hear that your head coach is capable of doing it all. But that's actually rarely the case on a lot of teams, right? The head coach is kind of the guy that's steering the ship and the assistants are kind of like the worker bees that are making it all happen X's and O's wise and communicating, or at least I guess transferring the the, the bigger picture goals and philosophies of the head coach. So for Dallas Aikens, they recognize this is what he does well and we need a stronger support staff around him. And yeah, if, of course, if things do go south, if, if things are really going in a direction where there's no market improvement, you just can't really see that the team is pro- progressing. Well, then you have some kind of safety net. You have NHL experience around him that you can plug in. Um, but I see it more as they are trying to maximize this bet yeah, 100%. That, they, that, that they've met that they've made on Aikens. And it makes sense. Why, why wouldn't you at least, I think for, for the final year of Aikens contract, which is this coming season, you want to at least find out, without you you don't want to leave any doubt about what he could be at the NHL level. Yeah. If you if you can say to yourself as an organization that you've put him in the very best possible position to succeed, 
and it still didn't work, well, then you can move on without any regrets or any doubts. You you can just move on to the next guy. But if he if he succeeds or if there's improvement with a better support system around him, well, then that gives you confidence that maybe he can keep growing or that this is the guy to keep around long term. It at least gives him a fighting chance. And so I think that that's, that's probably a healthy way to go about it, especially when you know, the owners are still going to be writing his checks for another year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, there's obviously plenty more to get into, but I'm curious kind of what your next big takeaway was. I think that one thing that that caught my attention is just the the overall feeling about this team as not necessarily being the hardest to compete against, as not being, you know, a team that's going to make it tough on the opposition night in and night out. And, you know, there were some words used to describe them that definitely did not paint the team in the best light. And I, I just found that interesting because if you look at how the Ducks played last season, and even from their own from from their own evaluation of, of hey we were in all these one goal games it could have gone differently but then at the same time if if that's your view then maybe that if if your view is that they weren't that hard to play against well then maybe this whole one goal game narrative isn't really as potent as we thought it was and i think it and i think it's true i think that it's an honest evaluation it could also just be that the team didn't have the talent but when you watch the the Ducks last season and you look at their underlying numbers and just how some of these games really devolved, you know, the score would get run up early. I don't think that they were a very competitive team. I don't know how much of that is the, is an attitude thing and that guys can just kind of flip that switch and, and have a, a mm-hmm. different mindset. I think most of this is just the players and the team and, and their talent level, but there is something to be said for having maybe some kind of different mindset or having, better coaching or coaching philosophies that get communicated better. And maybe with Dallas Higgins having more time to do that this year, maybe they will become harder to play against. Maybe they will become a team that's going to give everyone in the division a rough ride, no matter what. And I think that that's a big part of the ducks. That's been a big, a big part of the ducks identity in the past. And I think that they're really chomping at the bit to get back to that 100 and seeing the team get steamrolled really for the last two years has been driving people up the wall within the team so i think it's i i I still don't know if i agree that this is something that you can just change but it's still true that they have not been a tough team to play against yeah and i i think that there's a big not saying that McTavish wasn't a good pick at that point. Cause I think he's a fantastic pick, but I think that that's part of the reason yep. why I think Bob Murray fell in love with him and took him at number three overall. Um, Cause they, it was all over the place with players that could have gone there. And I think that that really is, I think what uh, drove them in that direction of McT- Mason McTavish. And I mean, he looks great when we saw him also um, some other things that uh, really stuck out to me was that the ducks are willing to do whatever it takes to, to get young players, get first round picks, get whatever it is. Whether that is moving out guys, um, no, they was made pretty clear that nobody's spot on the roster is safe. Um, mm-hmm. yep. That that anyone is kind of movable at this point, and they're willing to do whatever it takes. And specifically, had mentioned that um, they they got a first round pick for David Backus, and given the right situation, if it uh, occurs, they have the ability to go and do that yet again. And so that was uh, an interesting little tidbit that that they will be looking to do that if the right situation uh, occurs. Right. So it does feel like maybe we've been a little too harsh on the narrative that they just aren't trying to move out pieces or bring mm-hmm. in futures, right? That there is 
there is a recognition that that's going to be a part of this puzzle. But at the same time, they don't want to leave the team barren for when they'll be competitive again. Yes, I, I think that there is probably a more of a, a recognition. Um, there's more of a recognition that they need to be doing this moving forward. I'm not quite sure if this is where they were at previously. And mm-hmm. Fire Carlisle in our Twitch chat says, saying they're willing to do it versus actually doing it is two different things. And that's, I think, uh, where I stand on a lot of this is that this was all fantastic to hear. Mm-hmm. And it's great to hear because I think a lot of what we heard, and there's a little bit more I want to get into, but a lot of what I heard is almost exactly what you and I have been saying on this show, mm-hmm. right? For for the past six months or however long about the, the path that this organi- organization needs to tread. And the fact that it was fantastic to finally hear this from within the organization that they're going the route that we think they should be. And that even if they weren't, at least there is a path that they're going, that it doesn't feel like there's a rudderless ship, like there's at least a plan. Right. But having a plan is one thing. Actually enacting that plan is another Right. And I think that's the key aspect for this is that this information was all fantastic. Now it's time to for them to actually enact it and show us that these aren't just words, that this wasn't all just lip service to us to to relay that it actually needs to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that one thing that that was interesting was one thing that we heard was that moving on from Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha was part of that kind of retooling or or rebuilding and I think that that's not how I had viewed those moves at the time. Yeah. Right. They didn't, they weren't exactly rebuilding type moves. Maybe Andre Kasha, because in that deal, they got a first round pick, but it's, I mean, we have it pretty much on good authority now that that's not the reason they got the first round it, pick. It was back as for a first, which exactly. is what I've said for a long time. Yeah. You've been, you've been very validated. I have been. It was, it was fantastic. But, I you know I I don't know if I agree with that assessment though that you know Nick Ritchie being flipped Agreed. for yeah. for Danton Heinen sure it's part of turning over the team's identity maybe and and turning over their playing style and I think that there were a lot of people that were probably fed up with with Nick Ritchie's brand of hockey especially mm-hmm. the penalty taking I mean really only the penalty taking mm-hmm. um, but I just I don't know if I and I sort of see that but it was interesting to hear that 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 was their point of view that 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 was part of the part of the calculus there was we're kind of turning things over. Um, and then, I mean, really outside of that, another kind of interesting note that I thought was that the, the team views Sam Steele as a center. Yeah. That, that he, cause you know, it was one thing that I had mentioned was, Hey, you know, is, is there any thought to playing him at, at the wing? And it doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like it at all. And this is something that you and I had talked about on the Patreon pod over the weekend, but the Ducks have a ton of centers. They have six centers right now that could that could play in the lineup, you know. And, yeah. and and so I mean, I guess I should probably read them off just so everybody's filled in. But you've got Adam Henrique, Ryan Getzlaff, um, Sam Steele, Isaac Lindstrom, Trevor Zegras, and Derek Grant. So what are you going to do? I mean, if if Sam well, and we've and talked, all, with, and mm-hmm. also I mean, it was his name was constantly mentioned to us over the weekend, but or over that Friday, Bo Grew is also in that mix. I think. Yep. Yeah. They, I mean, everyone in the organization seems to be really high on on Bo Grew, and I mean, he's Grew has earned that kind of praise because he had a solid season in San Diego. But I do find it interesting how much they're letting that be known, just because hey, we just I just read you six names of guys who could all. I mean, who who should all be in the mix come opening night. And so you're adding a seventh guy. Um, and then, hey, maybe Mason McTavish will work his way in. So 
it just feels like I, I don't know. It feels like Sam Steele is going to have to play really well this year. Um, yeah. I, I could see him. Now this is just purely me spec- speculating, um, but I feel like if he isn't really up to par by the trade deadline, I could see him being flipped in kind of one of those hockey deals. I agree. Right? Young player for young player, change of scenery type deal, just because, again, it's it's a game of musical chairs. Now, the same could be said, we talked about it over the weekend with Derek Grant. Um, you know, he's he's got a movable contract. He clearly seems to have some value around the league. So maybe he's he's the guy that gets moved, but it feels like those two are more on the clock than anything. And of course with Adam Henrique, I mean, that's a guy who has been out there, whose name has been out there, but how easy is that going to be with his um, contract? The difference with Henrique though, is that at least he, I mean, they've, they've been willing to play him at the wing. So yeah. Any other notes or do you want to get into other, Uh, other sound bites? Got two more things from this that I really wanted to, to Mm -hmm. key in on. So the first thing is it, I think that this is a little piece of hope for anyone listening to this because I would imagine everyone listening to this is probably probably likes analytics. I don't think you can really listen to us uh, mention nope. all the numbers without thinking that they're, they're it would a good be, thing. It would be pretty difficult. Yeah. So <laughs> it, we we basically got confirmation that Jeff Solomon has been given the, the go-ahead to start building uh, the organization's anal- analytical department or analytics department just like he did in L.A. For those that don't know, he built the L.A. Uh, – analytics department from the ground up he was a key role in hiring rob volman for anyone out there that doesn't know he uh wrote hockey prospectus wrote uh stat shot really really smart guy and has been quoted as saying solomon's the reason i joined la Mm -hmm. and so that shows you the type of pull that jeff has and the importance in having a guy like that within the organization um and basically the ducks are reworking a lot of their kind of behind the scenes strategies with that and so Mm -hmm. For everyone out there like me, this was really good to hear. And like everything else, until we finally actually see the end product, it's just words. Mm-hmm. But at least it's encouraging, especially with what we've been he- in comparison to what we've heard over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's also refreshing to hear anything. True. Right? True. I mean, that that's been the fact a big... that, that the fact that this happened in general was, was very refreshing. Right. The fact that I mean, because that's been a big critique is that the Ducks just have not even been letting it known what they are trying to do, what the thought process is, and so to at least know, hey, there there is a plan, and we will definitely, as we do, quibble with elements of the plan. One hundred percent. I think fundamentally the plan is not out of touch with reality, and that's important. Yes, um, and I like, think that that's the key aspect here of why I left this conversation feeling better than maybe a couple months ago. Right, and and also, I mean, yeah, because that's the thing. If we had been talking to people and, and the plan just didn't make any sense, we wouldn't be sitting here saying we wouldn't we wouldn't be sitting here saying that it does. Right, we're still evaluating it objectively, mm-hmm. and so the fact that it's again in line with with what we think they should be doing with where they're at as a franchise, I think that if you're a fan of this team, you should be mildly encouraged. I know that it's hard to feel any positive emotion after how the last three seasons have gone, but I think you can at least take some solace in the fact that the team is at least just has an honest view of itself right now. Yep. And then the uh, only kind of other thing that I've got is uh, with uh, bringing in uh, Joel Bouchard. 
yeah. uh, to San Diego. And that's the, we saw him. We saw yeah. the whole San Diego coaching yeah. staff on the ice. Max Talbot, who yeah. uh, you thought was Scott Niedermeyer for a while. Hey, I'm the only one who knew he was Max Talbot though. So it took, it took you a long time. It took me a while, but then something just clicked in my head. He and did look like Scott Niedermeyer with the long hair though. Yeah. Even Eric Stevens said he, he was like, wait a second. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm validated, but yeah. So it seems like the, a big reason with Joel Bouchard was that they really wanted to focus on development that, uh, not uh, that the previous coaching staff was almost maybe focused on winning and not saying that they're not going to be focused on winning, but this key, this aspect was development. Joel Bouchard has done a fantastic job at that with, uh, Laval, right. In, uh, as the Montreal AHL coach. Yep. And, um, they had to basically jump at the idea of having him there to, to work with the young players and that uh, maybe there's been a step back in development and granted a lot of that is due to COVID um, and every organization has dealt with that. Yeah. But, everyone's dealing with that, but this was a key aspect for that. And so I think that this is a good sign for, for the Ducks franchise, especially as they, I, I think this is a very important time for the Ducks franchise, not just for it's critical. Yeah, and not just for the NHL players and like the the guys that will be in the NHL as prospects, uh, like a Trevor Zegers or Jamie Drysdale, but it's going to be important for the Jacob Rose that will be in the AHL, the Bo Grews if he's down there. All these guys essentially if, having if wow oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hype train is in full I mean, steam ahead mode. If he's down there, it's I don't know whatever. <laughs> that wasn't necessarily my point, but sure. Um, but but as the guys like the Henry Thrones, the Jackson Lacombs, as these guys start to work the Braided Tracys, as they go into the AHL, having a guy down there for development is so important because this is kind of where you start to see the see the fruits of your labor, and you need to have that guy there to work with them. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like after development, the development camp day that we were at. I came away from it really thinking that the kind of the the infrastructure of this organization is in a much better place than it was two years ago. It really yes. feels like the stuff that you need, the foundation, the the pieces that you kind of build everything on are a lot better than they were. And it starts, I mean, the prospect pipeline is stronger than it was. The development staff in San Diego, right? The actual coaching staff is, I would say, far upgraded from where it's been in the last what would you say year or so two years um yeah. and then bring in jeff solomon right that's a huge ad as an assistant gm even martin madden you know i think has i mean they, the ducks have been drafting well and then of course um just the fact that the organization seems to recognize where it's at i think you put all those things together and it feels like even though it may still take some time things are moving in the right direction that there's kind of this groundswell now for some progress yep all right. So before we jump into, because uh, I think any anything else from conversations we had? No. I mean, like I said, refreshing to hear and looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Yep, exactly. So before we jump into kind of what we saw on the ice, I think it's time for a word from our sponsor. So you're a busy guy. So stop thinking about what to wear and just embrace the radically efficient Mack Weldon daily wear system. The Daily Wear system is a selection of, fa- of clothes rooted in smart design made with performance fabrics and built to work together. From breathable t-shirts and polos to stylish button-ups and shorts, underwear, and beyond, Mack Weldon makes it easy for you to dress for work, leisure, and play, or wherever summer takes you. So, Felix, actually, this is a perfect tie-in to everything. 
I noticed while we were at a uh, development camp, I was like, why do those pants look so familiar that you were wearing? Why do they look so good? Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out you were rocking the Mac Weldon radius pants. That is correct. And looking abs- absolutely fantastic in it. I mean, what do you think about them? Yeah, I mean, that's, that is the benefit of the radius pant is that you can wear them for pretty much any any occasion. You can even wear them for a development camp where you're a member of the media um, and you're trying to look your best uh, to people that, that are important in the organization. So really comfortable. Um, and surprisingly, so the, the material itself is really breathable. Um, it's stretchable. So like you could even, I mean, I've gone running in those pants, um, but even in a cold rink, I wasn't, I wasn't really feeling that cold, um, like on my legs. And so you, but then when we went outside, I wasn't feeling hot either. And it was a really hot day in Irvine. I've worn mine on a hike before. Yeah. You can really wear them for anything. I think that they, they look like basically any situation that they're in, they look, they look right for that situation and they also look classy. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend those pants. I think at this point I have like three, four, four pairs of them and, yeah. um, I will continue to accumulate them over time. Yeah. And, uh, some other things from Mac Weldon that I've personally kind of started going to is their shorts. Their shorts are really nice. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look up the exact uh, model cause I have two different ones. I believe I have the radius, uh, shorts. Let me double check. I have the, yeah, I have the radius short and I have the, uh, the Maverick tech chino short so both Mm -hmm. are really nice both can kind of fit in a different pinch uh the radius short is mainly more so kind of like a khaki type material i think is a good way to put it um i think uh no sorry that's actually more so like the a thinner type material the maverick tech chino it's chino is more of a casual type of thing and so they both have their different uh uses they're both absolutely amazing obviously their underwear is great um can be used in any situation whether it's for working out whether it's for casual wear and i mean my go-to for mac weldon is their ace sweatpant i feel like it's the tried and true yep i don't It's, it's the bedrock like i feel like i could have I have two pairs of them. I feel like I could have more and be happy. Oh yeah, I have three. So there, there, <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> so buy some time this summer with the Mac Weldon Daily Wear System. Uh, for twenty percent off your first order, visit macweldon slash ctp like crash the pond and enter promo code ctp. That's macweldoncom slash ctp promo code ctp for twenty percent off. Mac Weldon, radically efficient wardrobing. Yep, and I also recommend the their swim trunks. Wore, wore my swim trunks to our beer league game. Didn't Don't, I? I no did not noticed. even notice. I did not notice. <laughs> that shows you how good they are. That shows I mean, you how you, you can even those can can fit any situation. I mean, I think it's because I wear board shorts to most of our games. Yep, yep. And so that's what you, it is. You know, it, it's normal for our team at this point. Yep. So circling back to development camp. I think that probably one of the, if you were to pick out one quote that stuck out from the whole day and that people have probably already heard by now, but that I stood out to everybody that was there and I've seen people comment online is Trevor Zegers. When, you know, we were asking him how, it, how the day went, how camp has gone. Trevor Zegers just saying he's focused on making the team right now, that, that, that is his priority. I thought that, you know, we, we were just caught off guard by that for for a half second. Just like, okay, how do I how do I follow up here? But he looked really focused on the task at hand. I mean, yeah. you know, c- kind of that good, 
kind of that good mix of relaxed, but also really concentrated and ready to just take yeah. over, basically. But yeah. I mean, when, that mindset is interesting, though. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's very different than what you and I expected. I mean, yeah. you deserve props for for bringing that up to Dallas Akins and Dallas Akins basically saying Seagrass's praises yes. for, <laughs> yeah. uh, for just going off. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's definitely the quote of the day. I think if I'm trying to think of things that really stuck out to me. Um, Jamie Drysdale basically set, uh, broke down kind of the differences between, between playing the two sides and that he's comfortable playing both sides, but, uh, he has played the right side for longer, basically, even though he started out on the left side. Yeah. We, we kind of pressed him on that and I don't know, maybe this is just me reading between the lines, but it sounds like he'd rather play on the right side Yeah, if, if given the choice, you know? Yeah. So, so he's, he's willing to do it. He says, you know, they likes playing with Manson, but yeah. Yep. I, I don't think that that was option A last it, season. Exactly. And so that was something that I think you and I, I think you and I both asked the question. I followed up on yours, but it was something I think at front of mind for both you and I because <laughs> well, of how much we've talked about it. Think about like, what's the number one thing we've talked about with Jamie Drysdale as outside of his skill set and what he brings to the table. It's, <laughs> it's, the, it's which side he plays. The number one storyline has been that he's been put on the left side. Um, it's funny that we didn't ask Dallas Akins about that. That was probably a good one to avoid, though. I think. Yep. Yep. All things, all things considered, trying to yeah. trying to keep things peaceful. Yeah. You know, uh, kind of a, a good working relationship there. Um. But yeah. So I mean, one thing I did notice, though. I mean, I haven't ever really seen him in person, so this is maybe not a good, uh, a fair uh, observation. But Trevor Zegers looked more like filled out, and I feel like people say that about prospects every development camp. But he, I mean, he looked like he's been working pretty yeah. hard. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's been one of the criticisms of his game is that he doesn't necessarily have the, 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 the filled out frame quite yet, or that he doesn't have the strength or that he doesn't win enough battles. And I mean, he's clearly heard that or been given that as feedback and he's, he's taken to it quite well because he looks ready to be more of a, more just able to handle those, those first line, potentially second line minutes that he's going to get this season. I mean, for all the talk about him being focused on making the team, which I mean, he will, I yeah. think he's. I think he's going to be this team's first line center. Oh, I um, agree. From, I, I, from very early on, maybe not right away, but he's going to be in the top six pretty much yeah. from day one. Yeah, like I, I think any of this conversation that's happening about Zegras saying that he has to earn a spot on the team, it's it's I, a culture thing. It, it's it's, a, it's, set, it's setting the culture for the rest it, of the it's team. It's a nice quote, but I mean, let's be real here. He's he has a spot on this roster. He is the first line center. Um, I think you asked Dallas Akins about uh, him, Comtois, and Terry to yep. start the season, and if that is so, it's definitely something on people's minds. Um, and essentially, what's going to happen with this team? Uh, he, he's basically locked in, I think, into a roster spot moving forward. I don't think there's really any way that he would uh, go down. Now, um, Jamie Drysdale, though, I feel like it, that one is a little less clear. That um, one's a little less clear, and I believe I'm not 100% positive. I don't think he met the games played in the AHL, but I think that they probably allow for the NHL games to add to that for him to be able to play in the AHL next year. Let me, yeah. let me, let me do a little digging on that. The Ducks though. have a lot of defensemen as is always the case. And it's not quite as clear. I mean, you could say the same thing about the centers, but Trevor Zegras is just so, I mean, just proved that he's so, so ready for that task last season. Um, but yeah, I mean, for people that are throwing it in the chat right now, I don't think anyone's actually thinking that Trevor Zegers won't be on the team um, opening night, including 
Zegers himself. I just think that this is that they want to have this culture top down. Right. And so part of it, you know, this is something that we asked him is like, Hey, you're, I mean, not in these words, but Hey, you're clearly the best guy out there. You're one of the more seasoned guys. Like what's the difference for you? I think that's actually where the answer came from. And he just said, I'm trying to make the team. And that's a good mindset because you don't want to be out there with these other guys and take anyone lightly or, or, or look past anyone. And I think that if that's how he's looking at it, that's probably how everyone else is looking at it. And that's, I, I think that the ducks really, I mean, they had like seven coaches on the ice with all these guys. And I think that they really are. And they had Dallas Akins. You don't always see the, the team's head coach leading development camp. Actually, I don't think that that's, I don't know how often that really is the case around the league. So I think that they're really, they're really viewing this development camp as an opportunity to hone in their culture, hone in what they want their guys to be about from day one, how they want them to play, also get them acclimated to some of the coaches that they'll have at the at the AHL level. So they're they're taking this very seriously, and that's why I'm, we'll talk about it later. But I'm excited to see the games in Arizona this weekend because I think that they're going to come in ready to yeah. go. Yeah, and real quick on the the rules. So this was tweeted out by Darren Drager. Uh, back in July saying CHL sources say final details are being worked out with the NHL that will allow junior uh, eligible players who played 20 or more AHL games last season to return to the AHL next season rather than back to major junior club. Bit more complicated, but that's the gist of it. So Drysdale only played in 14 games in the AHL last year, but played in 24 NHL games. I would imagine that there's probably going to be something baked into that that will allow him to be AHL eligible, even though he didn't play 20 games due to the fact that he played 24 um, in the NHL. So, I mean, we'll see. That would be a big reason why he would stay on the Ducks is if he is not AHL eligible, I don't foresee the Ducks wanting to send him back to the OHL next year after what he did. And so um, just something to to really keep an eye on there. Also on Trevor Zegers, he made note that um, basically Dallas Aikens told him to go out there and put on a show. (laughs) And it was obvious that he was just trying stuff out there with the puck on his stick. He was trying ridiculous moves every breakaway opportunity. He he tried to do the Michigan move. And then when it didn't work, tried doing something else when he got to the net. Yeah. Like he was just trying anything. And I think it was really fun to hear him say that Dallas basically told him to go out there and put on a show. Understand, understanding that it's entertainment, right? And, yep. and that no matter what, even though there's some development here that needs to be done and that that is important, understanding, especially for your top guys, that you're putting on a show for your fans. And Dallas Akins uh, made note of it that uh, the fans are so important and that there were some players last year that really struggled with mm-hmm. not having fans in the building for home games. Road games didn't matter as much, but home games, it really did. And so they were really appreciative of the fans that came out to that uh, prospect camp. And really wanted to put on a, a good time and have, or put on a good show and have a good time in front of them. And Zegris was trying to do that and, and really made sure of it and looked like he was having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, to kind of round out the, the interview portion here, really, I mean, the most insightful stuff that we got just in terms of like big picture was with Dallas Akins, right? Because we can ask yeah. him more high level stuff about the organization. And I think that, he really, I mean, he made it very clear that he's not—he's hands off with the power, the power play this year. He's—he told—he's—he's yeah. he's told Newell and and uh, Jeff Ward like he's not saying a word to them about the power play. And look, we've seen how the Ducks' power plays look the last couple of years. We'll see if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, most people would probably venture to guess that that's probably a good thing, but. 
there's going to be some definite changes in how they approach that that phase of the game. And look, if the Ducks can get any value out of the power play, which they just haven't the last three years, then maybe not their playoff chances, but just their ability to compete on a nightly basis are going to go way up because they've missed, they've squandered so many opportunities to get back in a game, to expand on a lead, right? And that's what the power play allows you to do. So again, no clue how this is actually going to shake out. I haven't really studied Newell Brown and Jeff Ward run power plays, but at the very least, and this is something that Dallas Higgins alluded to, you've got a bunch of new, or, you know, you've got a bunch of guys now from different organizations that are coming mm-hmm. together, right? Four different organizations. And that's going to get some fresh perspectives in the building. And so I we'll th- see. I think the power play is going to look vastly different this year. I think that one thing that like part of the reason that, that it didn't work in the past is that you had guys who had just been within the organization for so long. Mark Morrison, Marty Wilford have been down in San Diego, not enough like outside points of view, outside voices. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, I think it will look different. And if I had to guess again, this is purely a guess, but I think it's going to center around Trevor Zegras. It yeah. just has to. It, it yeah. absolutely has to because anyone who spends time to look at the clips from last year will notice one thing. When this power play was working, when it looked dangerous, usually the action started with the puck being on Trevor Zegras' stick and on, on that right wall. And I would expect that to be a focal point this year. It just has to. Like That's what gives them the best chance to succeed. Yep. Um, any other quick takeaways from prospect camp before we move into the rookie camp roster? Yeah. I mean, I think that just delving into the, the players themselves a little bit, we got a chance to see Olin Zellweger on the ice and yep. his skating just looks so, so smooth, yeah. so efficient. And um, fantastic. He was, really. He just turned 18. Yeah. He looked like, young. That, he, that, that's the crazy part. He was 17 during the prospect camp. Yeah, when he took his helmet off, I was kind of like, oh, man, I'm old. <laughs> I am just so old. Yeah, um, yeah. And then we got to see Gage Alexander. Can can confirm he is tall. Very tall. Very can tall. Can confirm he is tall. Um, did, was Braden Tracy on the ice and I missed it? He's on the roster. He wasn't on the ice. We okay. walked past him, though. He was off the ice. He was there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I don't know if he was injured or what it was, but he was not on the ice during the prospect camp. Yep. And then, I mean, I think a guy that people are going to be probably asking about the questions, but I'll just say it now, like Mason McTavish. I mean, that was our first chance to see him in person. We got to talk to him a little bit and he looked, he looked great out there. I mean, again, yeah. it's a development camp. You don't want to take away too much, but the size, the skating, even the, the puck handling, like it's all there. He, yeah. I mean, he looks NHL ready physically. I don't know, you know, in terms of keeping up with the pace of play, reads, hockey sense, things like that. But just physically, he looks like an NHL player already. Yep. Bonnie, Bonnie saying that Tracy was injured. Also, uh, John saying that also in our Twitch chat. So that's okay, why they, that's why he was off the ice and we walked and, past him. And also, we saw Sasha Pastyov, and yep. his I mean, shot was impressive. His hands and his shot were. I think he pulled off a Datsuk move in the shootout. Um, so yeah, he he looks good. And, and what we were sold on of, of being a strength of his, the, the offensive side of the puck. But, of course, with him, everything still hinges on how his skating is going to develop. But, hey, he he looked good. <laughs> that's, yep. that, I feel like that's like half of what you hear when, when you hear people talking about development camp. He yep, looked good. Exactly. He, looked, he looked bigger. He looked fast. <laughs> um, one other thing that we saw that day, uh, Jacob Silverberg was on the ice when we got there. Yep. Yep, and he's been skating for a while now and sounds like he should be ready to start the season. So, yeah, that's encouraging. Yep, yep, and looks good, but, I mean, 
you can't really tell how he is until you see him out there with other people. He was just out there kind of working on drills and everything along that line. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, let's jump into the, uh, rookie camp as that's coming up this upcoming weekend. And then we'll get in some questions. Yep. So the schedule for everyone who hasn't seen it yet, um, for this weekend. So the ducks have their first game on Friday at 5 PM against the sharks. So mark that down in your calendars Friday afternoon. And then after that, their next game is on Sunday at 4 p.m. And Jake, do you want to do you want to spill the beans on that one? Yeah. So we will be doing our first watch along of the month. So for all those guys, all those people that are subscribed at the watch along tier for the Patreon, uh, that will be our first of two watch alongs. I believe that there will be a preseason game also that uh, will occur in September. So we will. Uh, I believe, yeah, there's three preseason games in September. So we will get in another, uh, uh, actual preseason game as the second watch along of the month. Um, but the first one will be a prospect camp game. So it'll be a lot of fun, really good time. So for anyone out there that, uh, wants to be able to watch it with us, go to the Patreon, subscribe at the, uh, watch along tier. Anyone that's been at that tier, um, thank you so much. And thank you for the continued support. Yeah, it's going to be fun to, to commentate on that game. And I love these kind of settings because I feel like it, it is a good gauge of kind of where guys are at against their peers. Yeah. You get to see all of them working together. I mean, I remember being at the rookie faceoff in Irvine a couple of years ago, and that was awesome. And I mean, people who got to see the, the game in five point against the Kings, I mean, that was a great atmosphere. It won't be quite the same this time, but I mean, the Ducks played the Sharks on Friday. We'll get to see William Eklund for, yeah. for the Sharks. So that should be interesting because yeah. That could have been a guy that the Ducks took at three. Um, and so, I mean, lining up across from him will be the guy that the, the Ducks essentially chose over him, um, Mason McTavish. So that should be really interesting. And then the game that, that we will be commentating will be against Colorado. Um, and so that's that should also be interesting, kind of a, a prospect pool that's – I mean, it's still deep, but it's not quite what it used to be with the NHL team getting mm-hmm. better and better and guys graduating. Um, but yeah, I think that just my overall impressions for this, this ducks lineup going into the, the rookie camp, or I guess the, the rookie face off is they've got some talent. Like they, yeah. they're sending the, they're sending the, the, their horses, they're sending Trevor Zegers, they're sending Jamie Drysdale. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're trying to, they're trying to win games. They're trying to make yeah. it, they're trying to, I mean, they're maybe trying to replicate a little bit of what they did a few years ago, right? When you had. Troy Terry with Max Contois and Sam Steele and and remember that line and how good yeah. it was in those games. And so I, I could see them kind of trying to replicate that, but there's just so many guys to keep an eye on. I mean, Mason McTavish already talked about him. Bo Grew, everyone wants to see how he does. Hunter Drew now listed as a forward. A little nod yep. to John Broadbent there. Yep, um, there you go, John. And then Jacob Perot, Pastyov. I mean, it's going to be excellent. I mean, you're really going to see the, the Ducks' best prospects. You're going to see them in good competition. Um I'm excited to watch this thing. So yeah, I I am too. I think definitely seeing uh, Trevor's egress out there is going to be fantastic. Um, Very curious to see who they pair him with, whether they, they look at putting him with pro, whether they look at having him with pass. I mean, then you also, I mean, not to be overlooked, Mason McTavish taking third overall will be there and it's going to be exciting. Like the, the top three centers uh, for the ducks in this tournament are going to be Zegras, McTavish and grew. Yeah. That could be in two to three years. Uh, that could be their their center's opening night. <laughs> two to three years, that could be their first, second, and third line center. Yep. 
Like that, that is a realistic possibility there. And that will be the first, second and third line centers in this tournament. So yep. uh, going to be fun there. I, I think maybe there is a little bit lacking on the wings, but that just kind of happens as you, you don't have everyone at this tournament fully. Um, but it's going to be a good time. And I think there's going to be a lot of good talents to be able to be seen. And I mean, I'm excited to see Zellweger. Um, I, I really am excited about that pick. Very excited about the pass off pick. And, and so I'm just excited to see what there is. Um, Tyson Hines, obviously rocking the 61. Yeah. See, uh, Troy Terry, uh, put out the out. tweet. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Now that number 19, but yeah, it, it's going to be fun. Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegers are the two main attractions though. I mean, yes and no. I already know what they can do. I already know that well, they're NHL main, players. Main, I mean, main attractions in terms of an entertainment standpoint of watching the game. Sure. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm going to be more watching guys like Perot, Pastia. Agreed. That's fair. Re- recent picks, McTavish. Um, and then, I mean, you never know. Someone may arise that we're not talking about right now. Maybe Axel Anderson will we'll just prove the haters wrong. Yeah. In this tournament. Who Ro- knows? Ro- Roman Derny steps up and becomes a, a good talent in goal. Yeah. Bryce Kendop, who, who you have... Uh, sung his praises so many times about. I have? <laughs> sure. Anyway, yeah. So everybody should tune in and definitely uh, for our patrons, make sure. I mean, we'll also have a recorded version so you'll be able to watch. And also, if you're on the fence now about the Patreon, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but now's a good time to jump aboard. Yep. And so anything else before we jump into questions? Nope. Let's do it. All right. So for those of you watching on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. Please like and subscribe to the channel. Uh, really trying to do a big push over there. Um, and by the way, Fire Carlisle, sorry. Yes, the games are being live streamed uh, by the Ducks. Uh, all their games are being live streamed. But um, so at youtube.com slash crash pond or at your favorite podcast service. I believe we're on Amazon Music. I think I put us there. Also add us in a couple new places. But we're if there's a, sur- a place where you cannot find us, if you're watching this on YouTube and you have a podcast service that we're not on, let me know. I'll look into it. Try to get us on there. Um, but the real fun thing is our Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash crash the pond, uh, where you can uh, watch live with us, interact with us in the chat, ask us questions, have a good time, get special emotes. You can help support the show also. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month, and it does help out more than you imagine. Darko, and you can be just like Darko Theory, who resubbed for five months, our good friend Bonnie Litterical, who resubbed for. Want to take a guess at how many months? Well, I have something to say about Bonnie first. She just texted me that uh, commentate is not a word. And for a second, I believed her, but then I typed it into Google. Commentate's a word. Commentate is in the Merriam-Webster website. Uh, Wow. It's a a verb. So I don't know. I mean, maybe Bonnie's issue is not with me, but with the the dictionary, (laughs) the Merriam-Webster company. Go get it, Bonnie. Um, How many months? How many months? Um, Let's see. Um, because it's probably just how long we've been on Twitch. I'll say 34, 36 months. Oh, I should have said 36. You should. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty legendary. Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, X last one left has resubbed for four months. Uh, and also our good friend Jess, Science Cat 108, uh, gifted out five subs. Or wait, was it five? It was a lot. Let me see. Gifts out one, two, three, four. Yeah, five subs. So thank you so much. And so let's get into some questions. So uh, DB Lowry said, did we ask Zegras what number he wants? No, I thought about it though. Thought about it. But I think that that, that topic's been, been exhausted already. I don't think anyone's asked him though. 
Uh, no, it, uh, Eric Stevens asked him last year when he got called up. Oh, and he, okay. And he kind of joked, yeah, 46 is my number. And NJ Devils fans, save your wrestling question. I'll get to it. Ask it in a bit. We'll, we'll, we'll do that in a bit. There, there's a lot to be said about wrestling that Felix, I can see, is glaring at me about. I haven't said anything. I see I see the glare. I see the glare. Uh, Defend the Nest said, uh, uh, if one of the kids outplays a vet, do you see the vet getting dealt? Looking at Derek Grant, is this the year of smart decisions? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's in play just because Derek Grant, like we were just talking about. Well, there's two things. The Ducks have a ton of centers. Right. And oh, so, so if, many centers. And so if they have a guy who's on the younger side, who's like, for example, if Sam Steele forces the organization's hand plays really well and becomes a guy that they just can't leave out of the lineup. Well, then you've, you've still got Ryan Getzloff, You've still got Trevor Zegras and then Adam Henrique still kicking around. Maybe at that point, Isaac Lindstrom. So you're going to, I mean, some, they're not going to trade Isaac Lindstrom, I would imagine. So, there is a scenario where like even like specifically Derek Grant gets traded, but yeah, there is, there are a bunch of scenarios like that throughout the roster where someone, a a, a veteran gets outplayed by a younger player and they end up, I I could see the ducks actually pulling the trigger on that. Yeah, I I do too. I think this is the year where it it, it helps that there is just such a surplus. Yeah. It's easier to justify it. We mentioned at the top that at least what was communicated to us was, an acknowledgement of the the thought process not working uh, of what the the ducks were trying to do and i think that uh Derek grant specifically fits with that old mentality that there was an acknowledgement didn't work mm-hmm. and so i think in that same thought process if Derek grant does not get a roster spot i think at the end of the last season we started to see that he started getting scratched right for for the sam steels of the world um and um, and so I think that this could be a year where we could see maybe Derek Grant go on waivers we, <laughs> or if not traded, right? I, yeah. I think that that's a realistic possibility this year. Maybe this is just early on in the year. I'm feeling hopeful that what was said to us really met with kind of what I was hoping. And so it really kind of lean makes me lean into, to my thought process here. Maybe I could be completely dead wrong though. Yeah, I just want to, again, say to Bonnie, she just sent me a screenshot of, I guess, an article or a blog making the case for why commentate is not a word. It's like, sure, you're entitled to that opinion. I, I, I grant are you, the opinion. Are you, are, are you just going to basically respond to Bonnie's text messages on podcasts well, in, in, in Twitch stream? I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that the, the claim <laughs> is that commentate is not a word. If for that to be true, commentate would not ha- would, could not be in the dictionary. Which what's it is. the what's so. the word? There was a word that was added in the dictionary that was just insane. Why it was added? I can't remember what it was. Um, I feel like there was one some, recently that was added to the dictionary that like some Gen just, Z word. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Well, let's blame them. Let's blame them. Not yeah. Always. Oh, embiggens. I like that from Apathy Duck. Embiggens. Yeah. Uh, anyway. t- time Twitch says, does Dallas Akins make it to Christmas? Sure. I yeah, mean, I think he does. I mean, I think it, they, I think they're going to try to give this as much runway as possible. Yeah. I, I think if there's a coaching change, it won't happen until maybe around the, the trade deadline. If that, if that occurs. Yeah. Like that, that's what I think, uh, think it will be. 
All right, NJ Devils fan, let's get to the the wrestling question because it's a little bit quiet in here. So he said, what was my reaction to the CM Punk return? Felix just sits back. The CM Punk return was amazing. Oh, we got some new questions. So I'll get to to more about All Out. CM Punk was amazing. The match was so good. Putting him up against Darby Allin was a great great idea. It really kind of showed that he could still go, and that was exactly what they wanted. And I'm so excited even though there were some kind of ups and downs with the promo with him and Taz, I think that putting him in an actual story with Taz will do him a lot of favors and really get him going on the mic, which is what he's known for as compared to with Darby, where it's just kind of this thing of respect. So if you have another question, I'll, I'll definitely take the wrestling questions. You know, it was all, all right. out. It, it's been, it, it's been a month without it, Felix. People I, are asking for it. Can I like get back in? Can I tap back in? Yeah. Is that uh, Defend the Nest said, yeah, ta- tag back in. Tag. Okay. Yeah. Tap Close. tap means you tapped out, Felix. You don't want to tap out. Well, I don't watch wrestling. Tag so. in. Tag in. Uh, defend the net. You've watched it once with me. Uh, defend the net said question. Who, who was noticeably the fastest player out there? Oh, fastest player. Hmm. That's a good question. I think Mason McTavish looked really fast. I mean, maybe because he's just bigger, so you notice him more. He looked really fast. I mean, Zellweger looked really fast. Um, Pastyov, not so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would I would probably go McTavish just in terms of like raw speed. I mean, Bo Grew skates really well. That's another one that I mean everyone is watching, and he did look good. So yeah, there you go. DB Lowry with a fun question: Who has a better outlook for their season, the Arizona Coyotes or Arsenal? Uh, well, I don't know. I don't I don't have the the knowledge to uh, to answer that question. Well. I guess it's for you. Yeah, I was going to throw it at you to just take a stab. Uh, I'm going to say Arsenal, even though as a Tottenham fan, I would love Arsenal to stay where they're at. There's no way with the talent that they have and the money they have that they're going to stay there. The Arizona Coyotes, on the other hand, do you know who their goalies are? I was listening to Steve Dangle podcast, and they pointed well, this out. Well, the Coyotes are, I mean, their season outlook is good in the sense that they are tanking and yes. they're not hiding it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I guess outlook for their season in terms of just where they finish. They're, they're tanking in a great draft. Um, yeah. And they... And they now you just made me think of the Kotkaniemi trade or uh, the the Dvorak trade, sorry. And now you've triggered me all over again. Thanks. Appreciate that. There's your Habs mentioned, by the way. You're welcome. Drink. Uh, Apathy Duck 07 said, did you have any sense with regards to the rebuild if the team thinks that any of the current core is going to be part of the core when the kids develop enough to open another championship window? Um, let's see here. That's a good question. Um, I think I think some could be. I, I think I, it's I think it's not out of the question. I, I think like Lindholm, Raquel, I could see some of these guys being re-signed and sticking around because part of the messaging was that they don't want to just completely tear things down. They want I mean they don't want to have it be a Buffalo situation. And so I could I could see that. Yeah, I think it's completely within the realm of possibility. And yeah. so and so did I have a sense of that? Yes. I also have a sense of it just looking at the contracts. Like, Cam Fowler's not going anywhere. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to be a very small amount, though. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be, like, the entire core. I think that maybe it's going to be one or two pieces from yeah. from this group. It's and, and so I think they're willing to move on and understand that they need to move on to move this franchise forward. Agreed. I think that, that that's a key distinguishing uh, fact to make. Uh, I don't know why my uh, chat has decided to to freeze on me. 
okay so this is fun uh i still see it's going let me know in the twitch chat if hopefully the the stream is still going um and it's not the entire thing um but uh let's see bonnie asked did, or no jess asked did you get new glasses no no blue light blue light for a night where i know i'm gonna be staring at a screen for a few hours i'm there you go you know i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to improve my sleep quality jake nothing wrong with that there you go improve that sleep quality um <laughs> Let's see. Oh, there we go. My okay. I think uh, Jessa broke the Twitch stream for me for a quick second with uh, her uh, her bits. Oh, yep. My I don't know why my computer Take is just, just broken without the, the chat. Yeah, I have, uh, I have a question that popped up. Here, here we go. Yeah, I got it up. Uh, I'll real quick uh, defend the nest. Said, what was your reaction to actual CM Punk return? Uh, I was like everyone else. Amazing, amazing. Even Felix saw it because cj actually texted well, us i saw it. it because it was in all over twitter feed yeah and, and by I, and and I, not and, and it wasn't and it wasn't just me putting it and, in your and twitter you know feed. what i you know what i thought when i saw it i didn't care at all uh-huh. it did it did absolutely nothing for you me. have no soul no i just don't care about cm punk i don't even no, know who that is no soul whatsoever let's go with that <laughs> not We're, true it, it was amazing though the the stage dive it was it was perfect one of the greatest wrestling moments within the last 10 to 20 years probably <laughs> um and raquel's goatee said question do you agree with the thought process that you can have too many skilled players on a roster i.e the rationale for drafting mctavish over eckland or johnson because they're skilled like zegris I have a hunch that that was part of the decision-making process. Agreed. I, I think do that you there was specifically a... think that, do you specifically agree with that thought process though? Oh, uh, no, I don't agree with it. I Correct. think the way to win is to have as many good players as possible. And if they all happen to be skilled, then they all happen to be skilled. But the key is that they're good. So the flip side of that works. I mean, you could have guys that are more two way that are more, you know, what you would consider gritty guys, but if they're good, if they're effective players, then at the end of the day, you're still going to be a good team. But I think skill, like there's just nothing wrong with having too much of it. And I can already hear people saying, what about Toronto? Um, that's not why Toronto hasn't worked. It's because their blue line depth and uh, Kyle Dubas is just totally overrated as a GM. Well, and John Tavares getting hurt last se- uh, season in the playoffs. No, that had no help. effect. That had no effect. That was just, just that was just the Habs. A just pure stop. Win. Just stop. You know win. that you know that with John Tavares, the Leafs probably win that series. No, no, we we actually don't know that. That is that is more okay. Lost. Let me let me rephrase that. More likely than not. Sure. Well, it's more likely that they would have won. Yes, but it doesn't mean that that was the likeliest outcome. Oh, I think it's the likeliest outcome that they won. Well, they didn't. They didn't. They also didn't no. have John Tavares. So. Well, yeah, I mean, sure. Like, I, I think that... No, that, and, and injuries yeah, happen. Not, they're, they're there. I'm, but... I'm not discrediting that, like, that that hurt their chances. Of, of course it did. Yeah. I also yep. hate the Leafs, so I have to I have to color my analysis with there that. There you go. There you go. You can't just be like... My analysis in, in air quotes. Yeah, you, you can't... Oh, X last one left. Sorry. There are questions earlier. I'm trying to get to them now that my feed is not broken. Uh, but uh, will Gibson bounce back this season? That's something we didn't really ask or get into too much. Uh, I, there was some talk about it on Twitter the other day. I think Kat Silverman tweeted uh, a, a chart from Instat about how he let in a lot of goals on his left side. And it was like, you know, tell me that you were missing Hampus Lindholm for half the season without telling me yeah. um, something like that. Will we see a bounce back from John Gibson? 
I have no way of knowing. I like this guy has been really hard to predict the last few years. I think that there's got to be a point where he gets back or closer to where he was. I feel like the trajectory he's on now, it feels it's difficult to believe that he will have another rough year that he'll continue in this direction. Um, So I think that he'll bounce back. I don't know. Like, you know, when, when I say bounce back, I don't necessarily mean he's going to have a Vezina caliber season, but I think he just kind of has to be a little better. Doesn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, that's my, I mean, that, that's my I, I mean he, he definitely does. Ooh, let's end with this question. All right, yeah, it's a good one. Because this is one thing that was announced it, while we were gone. I'm going to say, oh, well, you have to actually read it. <laughs> How many Ducks players will go to the Olympics? So for those out st- there that have been living under a rock, because I was for a little bit and not paying attention to any NHL news, the NHL officially announced that they have an agreement to go to the Olympics. There are caveats there that uh, – if there's a COVID situation in Beijing, they have the ability to nix it. If there also is our COVID related um, suspension of games, they, because they have that two week grace period for the Olympics, if they have to reschedule games and they cannot fit them anywhere else, that's where they will be going. And so that could cause them to pull the players from the Olympics. So, with that being said, I think it's more likely than not. Like, I put it at 75 to 80% that the players are going. Um, Dalton Keys, though, asked how many Ducks players will go to the Olympics. Yeah, so I think the answer, if I were to put the over-under, like, if I said two and a half, would you say over? Because to me, Lindholm and Gibson would appear to be the only locks. I don't think Zegras is a lock for Team no. USA. I'd probably take the over because I think one of Raquel or Silverberg probably oh, goes. Oh, sorry for the, the swear words. I mean, we, we swore on the show. Yeah, I don't know why. I knew I was forgetting someone. Okay. Well, no, but I don't think Definitely it's a lock. Over. Sorry. But, no, but I don't think it's a lock that those I guys don't think make Sil- it. I don't think Silverberg is a lock, but Raquel kind of has to be, right? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Like yeah, that, I guess, that's, I why guess two and, and that's why two and a half is a really good okay. number. I'm, 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 I'm doubling back on my double back. I'm <laughs> there, sticking the, to two and a half. There, there you go. I mean, does Kevin Shattenkirk maybe make the make Team USA? I'm gonna say probably no, not. They they have too many uh, younger. Yeah, of... I mean that's the thing with Sweden. Sweden has a lot of good players, and that's why I'm kind of iffy on Zegr or on uh, Silverberg or Raquel. Well, there. Silverberg, I could see partially for the injury and him maybe just wanting to kind of. But there's gonna be guys who are gonna be chomping at the bit to go. Um, maybe yeah. if it's against their better judgment. I think Raquel goes just because there's not that, that there's not many equivalent players on on Sweden. So, um, yeah, but I think the, the, the locks, the, the locks are Lindholm and Gibson. Yeah. I think there is an outside chance that although Jay uh, fresh, Jay fresh had Lindholm as his seventh defenseman. Yeah. I, I think there's a chance. Maybe Fowler goes Fowler's probably there before Shattenkirk as Dalton key says probably, although the only thing with Shattenkirk is being a right-handed shot defenseman does help. Um, sure. get him there, but, but USA has a lot of defense. They they do. I think the <laughs> the the wild card here is if Trevor Zegers has a hot start to the season, I could see. I it. I think he's in the mix to go. Mm-hmm. Like I think if him and Cole Caulfield like light it up to start the year, I could see them both being on that team. Does Lucas Dostal make uh, Czech Republic? Ooh, that's actually a very good call. Because <laughs> what other Czech goalies are there in the league? Uh, Mrazek. Well, Mrazic, yeah, so he's a lock. Um, <laughs> let's see. Czech Olympic roster. Czech NHL players. 
active uh, Czech NHL players. <laughs> oh, Elvis uh, Merzlikens is one. He's Czech, really? I hmm. feel like I thought he was like Latvian. Yeah, that name sounds very Latvian. Um, but so, uh, I don't know. Joseph. Uh, oh, there's David. Ritt- yeah, I don't think he's going. Yeah, he's not making it. Although, no. although. I mean, Peter Morazic, David Riddick, uh, Joseph Coronar, Vitek Vanacek. I, it's probably going to be Vanacek, Riddick, Morazic. They, they have enough NHL guys to where they don't need to dip into that that minor's pool. Yeah, so. I'm not seeing Elvis Merlickens on here. No, I mean, D.B. Lowry's coming to his senses. He's definitely yeah. Lavian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. There we go. Did That's you see where the, you got that from. Did you see the picture of the, uh, the Chinese uh, national hockey team? When they no. when they arrived in Sweden today, or was it no. yesterday? Is it all Canadians? No, they were wear, wearing full hazmat suits. Oh, really? Like you know the ones that the front line I, workers. I thought wear. it was going to be like the South. Korea, wasn't the South Korean team like have a bunch? Didn't have like a bunch of like Canadians or like uh, dual citizens with Canada? No, uh, no, that's not what it's about. It's just these guys arrived at the airport okay. wearing like the hazmat suits. Oh, okay, no, <laughs> it's just. That. Oh yeah, well, this is something that I wanted to briefly bring up. But now we're just going see... off on all tangents here. Did you see the Olymp- the groups for the for hockey? No, I so like China, I said, I kind of was under. Rock. Is in Canada and USA's group. That so, <laughs> what, what are the scores going to be in that game? Forty zero, a hundred zero. I mean, China hasn't even made... Picture any... Connor McDavid against a Chinese goalie that is yeah, so, not so, going to be NHL call. So group uh, group A is going to be Canada, USA, Germany, China. It's like, hmm, one of these things is not like the others. <laughs> China's going to get just rip-roasted. Um, and, it, yeah, I'm trying to think. So how do teams move on from that? Isn't it like the top, top three or top, top two? two? Top two, top yeah. two plus the two best uh, third place teams. I think something like that. And then you've got it. ROC, which is Russia with Czech, Swiss, and Denmark. That's going to be a fun group because Denmark has some players like yeah. Nikolai Ehlers, Lars Eller. Um, I Frederick feel like Anderson Denmark Burnett. could be better than Switzerland. No, I disagree with that. Switzerland has a good team. Um, and then Group C: Finland, Sweden, Slovakia, Latvia. I mean that hierarchy is pretty. Pretty set, I would say. Finland, yeah. Sweden, in some order. Yeah. Um, Ducks go ask the question. I don't understand. No. If I remember correctly, all countries participating had to qualify, right? So with NHL players being allowed to go, what countries are going? Well, so it, it it's there's a qualifying tournament, but it's typically, I think, like the top teams in the world by rankings just are automatically put in it. So the U.S., Canada, Finland, Sweden, uh Russia, Czech Republic, I think all are just automatically in it. There's probably some yeah, sort of I think, qualification behind I it. I think I think Latvia and Denmark made it out of the qualifiers. Over yeah, the it's summer. determined from IIHF Slo- world rankings. And, and Slovakia. Yeah, because that, that, that's, that's why based on no, the, the world championships. Yeah, that's why there's no Belarus. There's Austria. three three qualifiers. Top eight in the the men the ranking along with the hosts and three qualifiers. So, man, just China being in there is just like <laughs> it's gonna be so. Like, I'm gonna watch it's, those games and just laugh for, it's, and it, it's gonna it, be bad. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be nuts. I mean, I'm just thinking. Picture McDavid and then McKinnon and then Crosby. Oh yeah, and who, then just all. Do you have anyone but Canada winning this tournament? I think the U.S. has a shot. USA is a very good Wait, shot. So one thing I thought about, and this is obviously random aside now, 
now that we're just in this part about yep, uh, yep. Uh, of the podcast. This is off the rails. If you're Jack Eichel, don't you also really want to push for the trade because of like at this point in time, right? He hasn't had surgery. Nope. And it's pretty much agreed upon that he needs surgery. Yeah. Very much and, so. And if he gets the surgery that they want, didn't I, I feel like that 31 Thoughts podcast said it could be like four or five months until he's back based yeah. upon the fusion. So he could miss the Olympics. Yeah. If if he gets the fusion as compared to the, the disc replacement, right? Yeah. Like this is becoming actually – I didn't even think about that aspect of it until maybe like right now that Jack well, Eichel could miss the Olympics because of the, the uh, Sabres dragging their feet on all this. We haven't had to think about it just because – yeah, we didn't of, know if they were going, but yeah. Well, well, also just because of the fact that this has taken so freaking long. Yeah, but so. he may miss the Olympics. That sucks. That yeah. really sucks. Like just from like a, a a like on a personal level, like it's been eight years since the NHLers have been there. You have the top, one of the top centers, probably the, he's what probably the second best American center behind Austin Matthews, or do you think he's better than Matthews? Uh, ooh, that's actually a good question, but I would have Matthews ahead of him. Yeah, so probably the second best center, U.S. center in the NHL, and he might not be able to go because his team isn't allowing him to get the surgery that he wants. Like, talk about a dumb reason for not being able to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, looking at the USA projected lineup, it they are going to have a very good team. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to beat Canada because they don't have as much depth. Goaltending. Like, like, basically, they don't have four first lines like Canada does. I mean, the but... Canadian goaltending situation is going to be rough. Although, if Marc-Andre Fleury can play well, that's the guy. Yeah, and also, I mean, USA has some younger guys who are probably going to be even better, like Brady Kachuk and Jack Hughes by the time that they are on the team. So, yep. yeah. Have, I mean, Hellebuck Gibson is a great one-two punch and goal. Yeah. I mean, I think Hellebuck should start there. Yeah, um, I agree. Out. Yeah, he's outplayed. But, but yeah, I mean, the Canadian goalies, what? Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood is a name that's been thrown well, that's, out there. That's the question with Canada is who, like, it's one thing of who should start, but who will start because, of course, there's politics involved. Yeah, it's probably going to be Flurry or Price, even if Price isn't healthy fully. I mean, Price had a good playoff run. Flurry is coming off a of Vesna campaign. So I think that there's a there's a definite argument for Flurry to start. Um, probably Flurry, now that I've thought about it a little bit. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. I'm excited to get up at 3 a.m. or something to watch the games. Yeah, bring us the dingus with an interesting question. I, I know that we said that the, there was a one a long time ago that we said it was the last one, but <laughs> what happens if Jack Eichel just says screw it and gets the surgery he wants from the provider he wants? Does that possibly just all out void his contract? And if so, what do you think the league or union does about it? Yeah, I think it's a major uh, issue with the collective bargaining well, that's, agreement. That's something that they've brought up, yeah, as a possibility. So Yeah. So it, it would be a major, he would basically be in violation of his contract or in violation of the CBA. Yep. Yep. I don't think it's, and it's also not like the PA could file a grievance. Um, I don't think they'd have much of a leg to stand on. So yeah. 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 Well, I mean, maybe, I mean, at some point, maybe things will pick back up. I mean, we, we heard it last week that, that, that things are picking back up a little bit with the Eichel situation yep. from Elliot Freeman. And so maybe the ducks will return to the table. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? Okay, should we should we peace out? Yeah, I think it's time to wrap this thing up. Okay, well, folks, it was. Uh, oh yeah, and defend the nesting. Uh, Kessler named the coach. Yeah, I think he's he just got named assistant coach for 
I think it's a it's it's the U eighteen team for the national development program. It's at the national development program for USA because okay. he lives right he he lives in he Michigan. lives in Michigan. Yeah, he's right there. Um, yeah. I, in case you were wondering, Ryan Kessler is not coming back. No, 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 no. <laughs> he's no, not no. coming back. No, <laughs> not not that we needed further confirmation, but I guess there you go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, yeah, thirty more days, Dalton Keys. It's it's coming up. It's crazy. This off season kind of just flew by. But do you want to do you want to answer Wilhelm's question? That's a a shot at your boy Philip Deneau. How many points do you think the Ducks will score against the Kings this season? While that might not be a end? shot. Um. I don't think they'll score very well. Here's the thing. The uh the Ducks or sorry, the the Kings blue line is still really bad. It's yeah. still it's still really bad, but I don't think Drew Doughty is still very bad. But Phil Deno is a great shot suppressor. I think they'll have a good line with him and I don't see the Ducks having the horses to light that line up, so I'm going to say not that many. Or not not a not a like impressive amount. There you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You, okay. You, you want to start getting to the plugs? Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. It feels good to be back in the saddle. It feels good to be talking about something new, something that we were actually able to kind of take part in, I guess. Um, excited to watch these rookie games this weekend. We'll be talking about that next week. We'll be back next Monday. Will we, Jake? I don't even know anymore. I don't yes, know our schedule. Yes. Yes. We will be back next Monday. We will, we will be back next Monday. And we'll have three rookie faceoff games to talk about. Oh, my goodness. Games, actual games. They're not even preseason yet. But they, they're still it's still something. We'll, it's hockey. It's hockey. It's, it's the, hockey. The long off season is over. Yeah, the, 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 the periods of time where there was just actually nothing to talk about are over. So that's nice, I suppose. Yeah, we that's made nice. it through. We made yep. it through. So if you enjoyed what you heard today, if you enjoy our show, if you want to help us keep this thing going, you have a few options. So number one, we talked about it already. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash crash the pond. So you've got a couple different options there. For $1 a month, you get access to our patrons-only Discord chat, which is a ton of fun. You get to interact with other diehard Ducks fans, and you just get to be in a fun community where everyone's not trying to snipe at each other. It's just wholesome and uh, constructive. Rare sometimes on the internet. Definitely rare on Twitter. Yeah. And you get to chat with us. We've kind of done a good job of keeping keeping the A-holes out. Yeah, we really have. I mean, there have been times where things have gotten a little hot and heavy and we've we've hey we, we've regulated so but we we follow through on that promise now for five dollars a month you also so you, you still get access to the chat and you also get access to two bonus episodes two bonus episodes of the show where we'll either go more in depth on a specific ducks topic we'll do league-wide rankings we go kind of all over the place on that but it's it's where we're a little more unfiltered where you get maybe some more raw opinions than you might on the on the regular show where we're trying to get through a bunch of different topics. Um, so that's for $5 a month. And in the Discord chat, you can also submit your suggestions for topics, and we always get to them on the bonus show. Now, for $15 a month, you get access to two watch-alongs a month, which is where Jake and I will commentate. That is a word. It's in the dictionary. Check it out. We will commentate. Talking to Bonnie, by the way, uh, where we will commentate on uh, typically it'll be a Ducks game during the season. We'll give you an alternate feed um, so that you kind of get our, our our view on the game as it's happening, giving you more stats, maybe a little more detailed breakdown than what you might be accustomed to on a traditional broadcast. Um, and that's for $15 a month. You can find all of that at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Now, there's still a bunch of other ways to support us, even if you don't want to make that monthly pledge. That's totally fine. 
totally understandable. Um, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review. Uh, if you leave a review, we'll read it on the show. We always appreciate those. They definitely go a long way. Um, we're also on Spotify. We're pretty much wherever you can get their, your podcasts, including our YouTube page, youtube.com slash crash the pond. That's actually where Jake uploads the video feed of our stream on Twitch. So you can see the charts that Jake's puts up. You can see our pretty faces. You can see Salem, the black cat, Jake's cat. You can see it all on the YouTube page. So make sure you she's, subscribe there. She's staring at me right now. <laughs> she's probably wants, she probably wants something from you. Definitely. Um, yep. And so subscribe there and turn on your notifications. And it's, it's a lot of fun on YouTube with the comments outside of that. Check us out on social media. It's at Crash the Pond on Twitter. Jake is on Twitter at uh, Reindeer Games ninety one. I'm on there at Felix underscore Sicard. And I believe that that will do it for us tonight, guys. Thanks everybody yeah. for listening. Re- real quick, just want to give a quick shout out to our good friend Derek. Uh, we're thinking about you. And yep, shout out Derek. Through. Shout out Derek. Yep. Alrighty, folks. Well, that is going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you next Monday. We're back. Bye.